Amen and amen. Okay. Isaiah 45. Art introduces this to us last week, and we had a new player that entered uh, last week named Cyrus. And uh, we'll talk just a little bit about that. Isaiah 45 1 says that the Lord, uh, thus says the Lord to Cyrus, his anointed. Yeah, it's up. So, so this is a a king who hasn't appeared on the scene yet that Isaiah said is God's anointed. Uh, so I put a, another chart up here. We've talked about uh, the northern kingdom being taken by Syria, and the southern kingdom is yet to be taken by Babylon. Uh, so on this new little chart I've done. Uh, concerning Babylon, that's when uh, the Isaiah entered into, uh, or, ba or Babylon entered into what Isaiah prophesied, chapter 13, and then he quickly says that the Medes will be against them. And then we've just read Inner Cyrus, which Art talked about last week, who, who is, is yet to come. Now, I put some dates up here, but anytime we're talking about dates in Scripture, they're very subjective. I mean, plus or minus 100 years, you know? Because we, we, we didn't have date stamp then and that kind of thing. So there's a lot we don't know, so give us a little latitude. When I put that one up this morning, I looked over here and I said, well, Babylon's going into exile 596. And here I said, they're going into it at 562, so somewhere uh, they went into exile. So I want to spend a little time this morning with some things in Daniel. So if you go into your little Bible, uh, 628, page 628, it's Daniel 1, and then we'll get back to Isaiah hopefully real quick. So Daniel 1 in your little Bible is page 628. <clears throat> just going to make some brief references here and where we're going with it is what Cyrus what the meaning was Cyrus God's anointed and down to Ezra so in Daniel chapter 1 in the third year of the reign of Joachim king of Judah Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it now, it, it totally destruction. Now, we're reading through the Bible. Karen's reading through the Bible. Maybe many more. And we're right now in 1 Kings. And we're talking about all the things that Solomon had. And you're thinking about all the, all the glory and the beauty and all the things that it took took seven years to build a temple and the cedar and the stones and all of this. And yet, King Nebuchadnezzar ruined it. Totally besieged it, as Scripture says. Okay, now turn with me, if you will, to Daniel 5. Daniel 5. 
<coughs> Daniel 5. It's uh, uh, let's uh, I'm, let's go to Daniel 4 right quick, and I, I just want to show you a story. Uh, the Bible is good reading. It's better than any anything you could find on the bookstore pages. But in chapter four, page twenty-eight, excuse me, uh, verse twenty-eight, chapter four of Daniel, verse twenty-eight. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, "This." Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? Verse 31. While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared sovereignty has been removed from you. <clears throat> Skip down to verse 33. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from mankind and the queen began eating grass like cattle. His body was drenched with dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. Verse 34 says, Nebuchadnezzar raised his eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praise and honor Him who lives forever. He lost his mind, wound out in the field like a cattle, and yet, when he got his mind back, he said, you know, I was wrong. Bill's words, I was wrong. The God in heaven is a true God. All right, chapter 5. Belshazzar. Now, verse 2 tells us who he is. Um, Belshazzar tasted the wine. He gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels, which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple, which was Jerusalem. So Nebuchadnezzar was no longer there because he lost his mind and his son took, took the reign of Babylon. Okay, now look down in verse 29 or 28. This is the famous part where, where they saw the handwriting on the wall and they called Daniel in to, to interpret it. And... Uh, Verse 26 says, The interpretation of the message, God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. You have been weighed in the scales and found deficient. Your kingdom has been divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Uh, then he, he elevated Daniel, verse 30, The same night Belshazzar the Chaldean king was slain, so darest the Medes received the kingdom at about 62. <clears throat> so here we have Medes concerning Babylon. The Medes, we talk about Cyrus, the Lord is going to use. Art mentioned last week that Greece 
came into play. We don't hear much about Greece. It's mentioned about five times in Scripture. But <clears throat> Alexander the Great, it's part of our history. It's part of the 400 silent years that we don't have any revelation in Scripture. But we do have uh, the Lord talking about it. Uh, look at uh, it's uh, Daniel 8. It's uh, 636 in your little Bible. Uh, Daniel 8. Look at 21, verse 21. And this is a vision that the Lord gave to Daniel. And in verse 21, he said, The shaggy goat represents the kingdom of Greece. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> as uh, here, Dan uh, Daniel is prophesying years ahead of his time, just like Isaiah prophesied years ahead of his time. From the time that, that <clears throat> Babylon... Uh, was besieged to when Isaiah talked about it was 150 years. 150 years before it was besieged. Now, let's go to Ezra. It's 365 in your little Bible. Ezra chapter 1. <clears throat> and this is what Art was referring to last week that the Lord had His hand on, on Cyrus for a reason. He called in His anointing. And Ezra would be a nice study, Ezra and Nehemiah later on. And maybe you've had enough of the Old Testament when we get through with this. But anyway, we'll, we'll see. In chapter 1 of Ezra, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill, fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation through all his kingdom, and also putting it in writing, and said, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, whoever there, whoever there is among you, of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. So Cyrus was used of the Lord to bring about restoration. Now we've talked about a remnant. We've talked about a remnant going back. This is the remnant that Cyrus allowed them to go back. Everybody didn't go back. There's some that went back. But we have in Ezra and in the book of Nehemiah, they talk about going back to build the wall and rebuild the city. Where I'm going with all this is that Isaiah said, enter Cyrus, that the Lord is going to use it. He's his anointed. And the reason he used him is to let his people go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple that Nebuchadnezzar demolished. Nebuchadnezzar. And Isaiah talked about it years before it ever, ever happened. If we don't learn anything in Scripture, we need to understand God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He does and will do everything in his own time and he says, I am God and there is no other. And it's a repeating theme 
All through Isaiah. All through Isaiah. Okay. Chapter 46 of Isaiah. We're finally getting to the lesson this morning. <clears throat> okay. Like I say, we're going to kind of blitz through some of this. <clears throat> Bell has bowed down. Nebo stoops. Now these are idols in Babylon. He's talking about idols in Babylon. We've, we've gone through this and time and time and time again. We've said it. God said in His commandments, I am the Lord your God. There will be no other gods before me. And that's the whole crux of the matter. God says, I want total, complete obedience. Last week, Art wrote on the board, somebody said, God demands obedience. He does with us today. He still demands obedience. We'll get to that in just a minute. Now, so these idols, Isaiah's talking about them. And then he says, verse 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born you by me from birth, and have carried you from the womb. Even to your old age I will be the same, even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it. I will carry you. I will bear you. I will deliver you. Verse 5. To whom would you liken me and make me equal and compare me that those would be alike? Then he talks about the idols, and we've talked about that time and time again. And the latter part of verse 7, he says, Though one may cry to it, it cannot answer, it cannot deliver him from his distresses. Now, look at verse 8. Remember this and be assured. Assured. Call to mind your transgressions. Remember the former things long past. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Nebuchadnezzar forgot it. Walked around, says, this is great, what I have. I've done it all by myself. And while he was talking, God said, Nebuchadnezzar, you'll pay for that. Through the times that we've met in here and talked about Isaiah, we've used other illustrations in the Old Testament, I mean in the New Testament, where <clears throat> Peter was preaching and uh, this king was there and he got the bragging about himself and the scripture says he was immediately eat up with worms and died. Be careful folks when you start boasting about what you've done and where you are. None of us, none of us are on our own. We've all built on people that have gone before us and what, Lord, what the Lord has allowed us to have and enjoy. It's amazing to me how we so quickly forget God's provision. God's provision. <clears throat> Alright. Verse 10 of chapter 46. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done saying my purpose will be established. 
I will establish all my good pleasure. <clears throat> Last part of verse 11. I have planned it, and surely I will do it. Verse 12. Listen to me. <laughs> oh me. I recall Alton in my past. Dad would say, Bill, listen to me. <laughs> this is what God's saying. Listen to me. Listen to me. You stubborn-minded who are far from righteous. I will bring my righteous and it will not be far off and my salvation will not delay and I will grant salvation to Zion and my glory for Israel. Okay, verse four, chapter 47. He says, Come down and sit in the just dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no longer be called tender and delicate. And we've just been through that where, where Babylon is, was, is going to be destroyed and where it's no more. In verse 9 of chapter 40, 47, he says, But these two things will come upon you suddenly in one day. Loss of children and widowhood. Those are <clears throat> metaphors. You're going to lose it all. You're going to lose it all. You know, we go back to Job. <laughs> he lost it all. Uh, not, not for what he was, but he lost it all. So, the destruction of Babylon was sure. God used them to give the southern kingdom a whipping and to move them out. But God had a stronger, a, more, a different plan for them. He used them for a short time, and we'll see a little bit more about that in just a minute. Chapter 48. <clears throat> Verse 4. He's talking to Israel now. Because I know that you are obstinate. <coughs> obstinate. I know that you are obstinate. That word appeared the first time in Scripture in Exodus. Right when Moses came down from the mount and he found Aaron had fashioned a golden calf and God told Moses, this is a obstinate people. What does that word mean? Stubborn. Stubborn. Let's read the rest of this little verse. Verse 4. Because I know you are obstinate, and your neck is as iron sinew, and your forehead bronze. Bring that to today's description. What would you call that? Hard-headed. Hard <laughs> you are hard-headed. Your forehead's like bronze. You're just hard-headed. I've been called that a time or two. But anyway, uh, you're obstinate. You're hard-headed. You don't listen to me. I've been through this all week, and I, I, it's been there. Look at verse 12. Listen to me, O Jacob. Even Israel who I'm called. I am He, I am the first, and I'm also the last. 
Verse 17. Thus said the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. Verse 18. If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would have been like a river and your righteousness like waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand and your offspring spring like the grains and their name would have never be cut off or destroyed from my presence if you had only paid attention to me. Verse 22, chapter 48. There is no peace for the wicked, saith the Lord. The Lord may use them to bring about what He, he wants to, but there's no rest. We've talked about this when we were in Romans. In Romans 13, Paul outlines our responsibilities as being a good citizen and he starts off and he says no government on earth can exist without my blessing sometimes we wonder but yet God allowed them to be there and he allowed these folks to be there for his own good Turn with me to John 14. It's in the little Bible in the New Testament, page 84. John 13, New Testament, page 84. John 13. You with me? John 13. This is Jesus talking. Now is the Son of Man glorified. And God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will also glorify Him in Himself. And will glorify Him immediately. Little children, I am with you. A little while longer. And you will seek me. And I said to the Jews. Now I also say to you. Where I am going. You cannot come. Verse 34 of John 13. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Even as I have loved you that you also love one another. Verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. Turn, turn to 1 Corinthians 13. Little Bible 137, page 137, 1 Corinthians 13. Mm 
1 Corinthians 13. Verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Does not brag. It's not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Jesus said, I'm headed to the cross. And I'm going to leave you with this. You need to love one another as I have loved you. Several, I don't know, months ago, weeks ago, I don't know when it was, but I was standing before you and we were in Ephesians, I think. And one of the things Paul was saying to them, he says, I'm real encouraged because you love the brethren. And I told you at that time that I had problems with that because some of my brothers are hard to love. There are some Christians that are hard to love. And yet God tells me I've got to love them. I can't be... My ego can't get in the way. My arrogance can't get in the way. I can't feel bad for Him. I, I've got to love Him. And I told you then, I'm working on it. I'll tell you now, I'm still working on it. Because that's where I am. But God said, I've got to love one another. Covenant's at a crossroad. We're having a family forum Wednesday night. I hope every one of you are here. I don't know where we're going. But I know as the expression goes and we've seen it, God didn't bring us this far to leave us. And you're some sweet people. And there's some sweet people here that love the Lord. We've got to be loving. We've got to be kind. And at the same time, we don't need to give the devil a foothold. We don't need to seek our own way and leave and go somewhere else and do something else. We've got to stay with it. Stay the course. And God will bless us if we'll be obedient to everything He demands of us to be obedient. God loves you. He says in Scripture we just read that even when we got this old gray hair, He's still going to love us. And He's still going to lead us. 
And He's still going to be with us. But He demands our obedience. He demands our obedience. Just like Israel of old disobeyed the Lord and lost everything they had. Everything they had. This afternoon when you're home sometime and get a cup of coffee and read 1 Kings 8, 9, and 10. And you, it tells you of the opulence of Israel and what Solomon had and all these things. And you pick up chapter 11 and he says, but God took it away from it because of disobedience. Because of his disobedience. God told him, he says, you bringing these wives in, you're going to start worshiping their gods. And that's exactly what happened. And their kingdom fell. When Solomon died and Rehoboam picked up, the kingdom was divided. The kingdom was divided. Never to be united again until 1947. And that was a political thing, not a spiritual thing. Folks, ask the Lord to speak to you this week. Ask Him to be with you. And ask Him to give you written grace to love our brothers. And let's pray for one another. Okay? Next week, we're going to take a hiatus from Isaiah. And next week, as I've told you, I'm going to do something very uncharacteristic for me. I'm going to turn Sunday school over to three ladies. So you come listen to these three preachers that come. But Babette and, uh, and Pat and Pat are going to talk about their trip to the Holy Land. And uh, I have no idea what to say. I don't want to know. But uh, we'll be here next week and listen to what they have to say. Any last word? Any comment? Art dismisses, brother. Dear Father, we thank you that you are the same. And you continue to have your hand on us. You continue to lead us. As it says, you bring your righteousness near to us, though we are far from it. You also said that to obey is better than sacrifice. We just pray that you continue to help us to submit to who you are and who you want us to be and to be obedient in our deeds and most of all in our hearts. We thank you for Jesus and in him is our only hope of being unified and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that makes it all happen. In Jesus' name.